Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, and welcome to Homework, the first marketing podcast that is actually not about marketing. Together, we will explore the good, the bad, the ugly, the extraordinary of the challenges involved of integrating work and life with some of our industry most interesting people. I'm super excited today. I have Harry and Jill Cartman. Harry is the chairman and CEO of Cargo Global International, the leading mobile media company. And Jill is a best-selling author, actor, and her latest show, Odd Mom Out, is one of my family's favorites. So welcome. Welcome to Homework. You're so nice. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you guys. So let's start at the at the very beginning. How did you guys meet? We were set up on a blind date by our grandmothers. It's Fiddler on the Roof style. It sounds, it's not an arranged marriage, don't worry. But I call it little chic. Basically, our grandmothers played bridge together for 50 years. Oh and it was another another woman in the in the group who had a grandson called the Adam. And first she wanted me to meet that grandson. And I got all ready for a date with him. I got a blowout and a manicure. And I was so excited because it was the first like man instead of guy out of college. And we had sort of traded phone calls. This is before cell phones were invented. And I went to meet him for the state and I see this gorgeous guy and he looks at me and mounds out chill. And I flipped my hair. I was so excited. And he goes, I'm totally gay. And my grandmother would drop dead if she knew. So I was like, <laughs> dinner and had a great time. So then two years in another relationship later, Harry's grandmother met me and wanted to fix me up with him. And I just thought like, there, he has no interest in me. He doesn't want to date me. And only like, you know, there's no way that this would work, but I wanted to do right by my Nana. So we arranged for like, I thought it was going to be sort of like a safety drinks, but it wound up being like this eight hour date running around New York and he met my friends, and the next morning at my gr- kind of girls' brunch, I said, I met my husband last night. Wow. 
So, so uh, Harry, is that, is that your of, story as well? <laughs> uh, well, I, I did find out about the first set of buyer, I guess this other other grandmother who's sort of in the in the card circle with with both of our nanas. I would say two things. One is I think Jill, even before meeting me, told my grandmother that she suspected that I was gay. So that was a little that was a little awkward on the first date to to know that. So like my grandmother responded to her, and and so that so that was that was sort of funny because she basically told her about her first experience. And the second is that actually I think we ended up with like meeting up with her best friend late night because Jill just making sure that I wasn't like her former. She had dated a bunch of people that were were not necessarily they weren't homophobic, but they weren't comfortable. So Jill on our first date took me to a piano bar singing show tunes in the in the village and and brought like her best friend to to determine whether I would actually pass pass muster or not. So I was definitely being interviewed sort of the entire evening. <laughs> well, that's what dates are. I mean, they're interviews. So, Harry, what did you see in her at first? Well, I had just moved to New York, so and I had not. I had never lived here. I had started cargo in Los Angeles, and I was at the beginning sleeping on the couch of my co-founder, who was at Columbia and was a professor there in computer science. But I had raised some money, and I was living downtown in a loft space in Tribeca. And that's where, where I had started Cargo. And so I was working 100 hours a week. And I didn't really know that many people. And I did, had zero social life. So anybody that my grandmother would set me up with to actually create a little bit of a social life, I was game. So it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And then I, I you know, like it, it, what was funny is her father grew up in Boston and knew my dad and my uncle. So there was, there was a lot of cross-pollinization there. So definitely a looking for a, a guide to New York, somebody to go out with and somebody to sort of, you know, show me the ropes. I think at the beginning, I didn't have much expectations, you know, when you're set up on a blind date, you obviously you hope that it goes well, but you don't, I don't think you put all your eggs in that basket. Jill, what did you notice of, about Harry at first? I just thought that he, well, happily, as soon as he you know, I saw him. I mean, the, the weird thing now is there's not really blind dating. It's it's everything is on the internet and you have at least a photo. But I thought he was going to be like a swamp thing. So I was delighted that he was so cute. And he was wearing his Harvard ski team pants. So I, I knew immediately that he was smart and could ski, which is a big deal because I'm a athlete, but I love to ski. It's like my one sport. And every guy I've ever dated had never been on a pair of skis and thought that it was masochistic and didn't understand why I didn't want to just like rot on a beach like everybody else on vacation. So I was just very happy at the, the first visual. All things that are now on your swipe right, you know, app profile. So once once we got to the restaurant and we actually talked and spent time together, you know, there were like several natural ends that could have happened where we said, I said, thank you very much after dinner or whatever it was, but we just kind of kept wanting to hang out, which is a good harbinger. That's great. And you've, and you've been now together for how many years? 22. 22. God bless. And, and we been together, we've been together 22. We had a, we had like a breakfast for dinner, PJ 20th anniversary wedding party just a few months back. That's yeah. great. That's great. And you have three lovely kids from what I understand. You're so sweet. Yes, we are upset. We're like addicted to our kids. They're the only people we want to hang out with. They're 19, 16, and 14. 
they're they're really fun. We were we were just with them after Cannes in Europe, and as a as a group, we had the best time. So how was it in a house with three teenagers during the pandemic? I mean, I feel really guilty saying this because there's like piles of dead bodies, but we had a really good COVID. I loved it. I would say, you know, a lot of people say that the teenage years for parents are the hardest. I disagree. Like I had a really, really hard time with little children. We had three kids in four years. And when I think about how young mothers endured the pandemic without the help of their parents or a community of baby classes and a network of moms to have wine with and play groups. I just don't know how they got through it with their sanity intact because I had a really, really hard time. And it was hard on our marriage. It was hard on just me emotionally. Like I, I kept saying to Harry all through those years, like he would say, what can I do to help? And I would just say, like, I feel like I'm drowning in my life, you know? And then you feel foolish because people say, what are you talking about? You have a wonderful life. You have an amazing husband. You have three healthy children, but you're just, you're kind of like, running on fumes because of the fatigue. I think just the sheer physical drain of being up to your elbows and and two, we had two in diapers. You know, I just felt like I couldn't keep my head above water. So to me, teenagers are a joy. I mean, if you have a good relationship and you, you know, are really close, I feel like my best, one of my best friends said to me about the toddlers versus teenager thing is it's pay now or pay later. So I saw women who kind of like farmed out with a dozen nannies and were never with those babies. And now their teenagers are slamming the door in their face. Whereas like, we never, we don't have that, that kind of rebellion. I mean, of course there's teenage hormones and like a tone can be taken, but we don't have any of that kind of turmoil, luckily. And I have to say, you know, I, when the kids were young, I was working, I mean, I work a lot now, but I was working crazy hours and I was always traveling. And it's just like one of those things when you're bootstrapping a company and trying to get it off the ground, just just the level of energy on a day-to-day basis and sort of go anywhere, open any door makes it really hard to sort of co- you know, equally invest in, in the family. So, you know, I feel like I lost a lot of years spending time, you know, I was around every weekend and we'd go on vacations together, but just that that day to day, you know, where you get into a rhythm with your kids watching shows or asking what's going on or or sort of being present. I can't say that I was as present as I would have liked to have been when they were anywhere between the ages of like two, three, four, five, and you know, up through sort of eleven, twelve. And so being locked in, you know, in our house together where they can't go and hang out with their friends and where, you know, I'm working from home as well. Um it really did create sort of special time bonding time and and it's time with like a real human being not just time with a baby that won't remember it so it it ended up actually being you know really special and time that i wouldn't have been able to have if it wasn't for the pandemic forcing the situation the the, the two of you have been extremely successful and both have very de- demanding jobs jill i happen to think that the Arts is a more competitive world than business will ever be. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and and how do you guys make it work with three teenagers, both of you working really hard, succeeding in your respective fields? How 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 does the how does the division of labor works when it comes to work and home? 
I mean, Harry kind of does everything. I feel like he runs a company and he handles our, like our travel and some of the quote feminine responsibilities. Like he does take care of the house in ter- because I just, I'm not very handy and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I feel like I, I will probably try to take on some more things to help, <laughs> to help with it. He definitely handles more of the load right now. I kind of was fine with it because I feel like he was making up for lost time that I was dealing with more. But, you know, I kind of stopped keeping score and don't think of it like that anymore. But I will say I'm not really working that hard right now. I've been acting and I shot this movie that's coming out next year. And I was like, this is so easy. I can't believe it. Because after writing and producing and acting in a show, just showing up as an actress and people are offering you water or whatever you want, it's like... Being a stay-at-home mother, which I was for 11 years, is so much harder than being around with adults all day, even if it's a 14-hour day. It's just you don't have people's life in your hands. You don't have your nerves completely fried. It's almost relaxing. So even despite long hours or six-inch stiletto heels, it was all a piece of cake compared to being a stay-at-home mom. Harry, how does it work? You know, it's it's she doesn't love it, but she still takes over all the responsibilities of talking to the kids, working through their problems, on some level being the disciplinarian. I, she calls me in for backup, but like that front line, just ridiculous behavior. She, she's always on the front line. So I, I give I'm always the of- bad cop, you know, I've, I'm just, that's just the buck stops with me there. But yeah, sometimes I have to send in for reinforcements and the Knights of the Vale come riding in. Fine, fine. I'll take that. You know, I, I don't necessarily compare myself to Littlefinger coming in to save the day, but if I if I can come in with in an case assist, you can't I'll, tell I'll we're rewatching Game of Thrones right now. Yeah, of course. But I I actually enjoy a lot of the family planning, and she sort of shows up to go on like vacations or for traveling or whatever, and it's it's fun sort of finding new places and and surprising both her and and the kids because I'm I'm a perfectionist by nature, so finding like the best of the best, the best restaurant or the best hotel or the best stores. And the, the best cheapest price. Place. I mean, yeah, truth be course. told, like I, I tried to take over some of the travel planning to alleviate like any burdens on him. And he doesn't want me to do it because I'm just like, oh, that's the price. That the price is the price. And he's like, the price is never the price. There's, points, <laughs> there's you know, he like, he is like a little points hoarder. And, you know, uses like connives through the system to make things basically free. So I don't know how to do that. So that's why he does it all. I definitely try to, you know, you've heard of growth hacking. I definitely try to points hack all of our vacations. You know, it's it's funny. I um, When you bootstrap a company and you go through years where it's a pretty much of the desert in business, and you're you're trying to make the ends meet, which was I would say eight years at the beginning of our marriage. You really you realize just how how hard it is sometimes to just do the bare bones, and I don't think you ever lose that. So even though things have have scaled, uh, I think that's definitely part of my personality. It still drives many people at the company crazy because I'm always optimizing even at the company for you know our business. But I think that those those roots have served both me and, and, and the company really well. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. That's great. When when we met the first time, Jill, we talked about how particularly hard the pandemic had been on teenagers in in general and the feeling of isolation that 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 a lot of them have and we're seeing article after article after article nowadays talking about that. How were you able to deal with all of it within the context of the fact that you guys have three teenagers? Well, so we had a bit of luck and it it wasn't just luck. It was Harry's points navigation that he just discussed. We were sitting around at Thanksgiving of 2019, not knowing what was around the corner. And the kids were like, where are we going on vacation for Christmas? And I sort of said, first of all, stop assuming that we're going away just because everyone that's at their little private schools are like, where are you going away? Where are you going for Christmas? And I was like, you're lucky to go away. Don't just assume. But then I said to Harry, where are we going? So Harry opened up his computer. We looked at his Delta points and he said, this is pretty random, but it's basically free to go to Amsterdam because like, who wants to go to Amsterdam in January? Like it's so random kind of. (laughs) So we sit down the kids and we're like, kids, we're going to the Netherlands. And they were like that, that emoji that just has a straight line mouth. And they're like, what's the food? You know, you're never like, hey, let's go out for Dutch. So, <laughs> and I said, I don't really know what the food is. We'll figure it out. I know there's poffages. And they're like, what's the temperature? I was like, the temperature is the same as New York. You're like, sorry, you're not going to say. And they're like, what's this Turks and Caicos place people, all our friends talk about? I was like, I don't give a we're going to Holland and you just say thank you. So we get to Amsterdam and on January 3rd of 2020, we were in Anne Frank's apartment. So they had read the diary and in the same way that, you know, you can talk about kids starving in Africa, it wasn't the same as when we took our kids to Zambia and Zimbabwe and they saw these impoverished villages. They were in Anne Frank's apartment, which is, you know, 210 square feet the annex and, you know, with, with eight people and they really took that in. So six weeks later, when the first person died in America of COVID and these lockdowns began, I heard Sadie on the iPad FaceTiming with her friend in her mansion in the Hamptons where all these like rich New Yorkers scattered. And the friend was saying, this is like a nightmare. This is a nightmare. 
And I heard Sadie say, this isn't a nightmare. This is a privilege. Anne Frank was in a tiny hovel with all these people. And if she left, she was murdered. And she didn't have internet. She didn't have seamless. She didn't have FaceTime. So shut up. And I was so proud. I was more proud than her, you know, getting into college and getting her A's. And I I was so proud of that moment. And I realized that travel is the biggest investment in your kid's education. And there's nothing that could have framed the pandemic for us and those kids better than that experience. Anything on your side, Harry? Well, I almost got arrested because my son had, I think there was in in October of what was it, 2020, uh, there was still sort of the New York, you could have up to 10 or 15 people in your house, I think. So he said, I'm going to have a a few people over because we wanted him to have a social life. And, you know, having five, six, seven people over was was fine. So we had about probably, I would say, 10 or 12 kids over. But then with Snap Maps and the rest, we had probably maybe 60 or 70 kids start to like. Wow. We have an outdoor, we have an outdoor space, but yeah. Not inside the house, not inside the house, but in the front of the house, they started coming in, but the door was open. So people started showing up. This is Halloween. This was sort of, and it sort of like it became this huge Halloween thing where basically the dam broke. People were in our house. We probably ended up having 50 people, 50 kids who were all like 13 in our house, not the greatest. And I ended up kicking them all out and getting them out within probably half an hour of them all sort of showing up. And like 15 minutes after that, the cops showed up. So by the time the cops showed up, we only had like 10, 10 kids back in the house. But my point is, you know, we probably took a few more risks than most parents to allow kids to congregate and to sort of be with their friends for that exact reason. And so I don't know if that, you know, looking back, you know, because most kids were not affected by COVID, you know, severely for the most part, you know, giving yes, them Yes, the girls and I never got COVID ever. We've never crazy. had it. I, it's crazy. I think we're immune. And I'm like licking subway poles now. And we have, I was in a mosh pit at Nine Inch Nails. No COVID. No COVID. Uh, no monkey pox either. Uh, I had COVID last December. But the the bottom line is it it maybe that was more risks, but by giving them a little bit of freedom and allowing them to hang out and not being, I think, overly sensitive, you know, to the pandemic. Obviously we wanted to be safe and thoughtful, but we didn't want to go overboard. I think that they had a little bit more balance in their life than maybe many other people who got obsessed with fear and really tried to, you know, lock themselves down much more than I think we did. And I, and I, what's funny is the people that really got uh, super obsessed with, you know, masking and, and gloves and not traveling. We we wore masks. We're not like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course we wore masks, but we had some friends who wore like finger condoms to go to the ATM machine and they all got it. (laughs) And they had like the two masks, they like were two masks and were like sitting outside uh, at restaurants, you know, as the pandemic started to wane, they would still be like, we are not weather. Totally. And so, and so that we saw all of those people all got COVID long Three before times. we did. Yeah, yeah. Long before us. It was almost like, they the take like a swan dive into a bathtub of boiling Purell. And I never have been into Purell. I just wash my hands, but I never oh. was one of those moms that made you like boil yourself before you hold my newborn and all that. That was our observation. Our observation is everybody that was super obsessed with it, got it multiple times. And the people that sort of 
were a little bit more free, uh, didn't, but that, that's, that's, I can't, that's anecdotal. Obviously I don't have the data around it, but that's what we saw. What, what are the, what are the, now that the world is opening up again and we're all traveling and what are some of the practices that you guys have incorporated in your life as a family from the pandemic? I think dinner is really important. I feel like, you know, we, we haven't been, since things are opening up, we've been obviously like going more to restaurants and parties, but we, we really made sitting down to dinner together and like a core essential thing at a specific time. It wasn't like everyone dipping into the fridge or getting their own seamless. We sat down to dinner every night and I made them dress for dinner. There was this whole like sweatpants nation and that was fine for a few weeks. And then I was like, this is done. We are dressing and I'm setting the table with our best China and we're going to eat a nice family dinner. And so I think that is luckily held. I'm not a cook, but we go, we, we like discuss what our dinner is going to be and we'll either order out or Harry cooks or the kids, the girls cook sometimes, but we'll go out to, to dinner and coordinate that. Like a family dinner to me is the greatest luxury. And when I, when I say like travel is really our biggest splurge, it's also, that includes going out to dinner. I just love restaurants, but I think a family dinner is something that those are the memories I cherish and the discussions and just, you know, seeing the world together through our five pairs of eyes. And I think, I think especially with all, all three of my kids, I had a show that I was watching with them. Like I was binging a particular series and we would talk about it and having that connection with your kids where you actually are sharing sort of a moment uh, with them and you know they're they're you know telling you we have to you know we have to free up time to go like watch the next episode and especially those shows that weren't all at once but they would come out on a weekly basis you know it's sort of fun to actually look forward to having those moments with your kids and where they really wanted to spend you know time with you and and get to that next episode and not have ruiners and so having that shared moment i think you know watching a show especially like a new series a streaming series that was like a special thing that I had with all three of my kids individually. That's that, that that's great. Uh, Harry, you own your business, and and, uh, and and a lot of people depend on 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 your vision and your your direction. What are what are some some of the things that corporations need to do following the pandemic to ensure that people have the ability to do some of the stuff that you guys are talking about, so that they can have a a better work life integration, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we have unlimited PTO, I think, for our entire team. And so, um, and we have a policy around maternity, paternity, that's identical. So it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, you have uh, identical opportunity to, to spend time with your family, which I think is extraordinarily important. But I also think, you know, broadly speaking, especially at Cargo, you know, there are a number of different initiatives that I think people are mission focused as, as much as they are about uh, their job and career. They, they want to know that their day to day, they actually participate in things that are that are meaningful. And so, you know, anything from we one of our employees has been extraordinarily active with LLS, with the Lymphoma and Leukemia Society. Uh, we're having because art, we, we one of our taglines at Cargo is you know, we put the art in, in, in ad tech. There's ART in advertising, but there's no ART in ad tech. And, uh, and so we truly believe that design and art and creative is extraordinarily important and has been lost, I think, in the, in the broader sort of media landscape. 
there are creative agencies, there's media agencies, but the the ability to sort of put those two things together is not something that I think is broadly embraced. And, you know, we've been a company focused on creative science. So bringing, bringing art to some of these causes is, is incredibly important. So upcoming in our offices, we're actually for the industry, we're going to have a gallery showing and an actually an art auction. And so we have a number of different artists that are donating works. We're going to have a larger auction. We have individuals who at Cargo on the side are, are artists, especially part of our design and creative services team. And so we were bringing those two things together where all of the proceeds from that art auction are going to go to the LLS society, which we think is really, really, really powerful. There are other things that we're doing. Um, we launched a content management system and we're putting all the black uh, owned media companies on that platform and doing it at, at effectively uh, no margin. And so putting the, the BOMISI, which stands for the Black Owned Media Equity and Society Institute, put all putting, we now have 11 of their publishers on our platform, but we're going to probably 20 or 30, uh, really leaning in and sort of providing the technology, know-how and, and yield for things like Black Owned Media um, is really important. And then, of course, we, we and I think that uh, participating in the Gun Safety Alliance is extraordinarily important. We had two employees that happened to be in Highland Park in Illinois on July 4th, and they were running for their lives with their family. Um, and after that, you know, the question is, how do we double down and really affect change in this country? And I think we have a pulpit and a voice where we can make make change, especially when it hits so close to home. So there are these initiatives around society at large where we think we can we can participate and actually play a role. And I think the larger that cargo becomes and the, and the, the broader the set of, of community and, and influence we have in our industry but and beyond, you know, I think it's a very important piece of the larger puzzle to to solve these broader broader challenges. That if you don't roll up your sleeves and and do it directly, you know who who's going to do it. So that's how that's how we're doing, leaning in with with our employees. And and I think that you know I think we're pretty proud of some of the things that we've been able to accomplish to date. That's great. I, I, I want to finish with you, Jill. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What are some of the things that corporations should be doing to ensure that, that people have the right work-life integration? Well, I actually really respect what Harry's done with the maternity-paternity leave. I also feel like respecting weekends 
Confidence is so important. I feel like I had several bosses throughout the early years of my career where there was no Monday to Friday. I was like on call seven days a week. And I can see how, especially in tech, in a lot of books I've read where that that seems to be, you know, the Slack channel going off at all hours. I think boundaries are just really important. And at least with cargo, the employees have proven that their productivity did not wane at all in the work from home setup. So they have not required, you know, everyone coming back five days a week and it hasn't hurt the company at all. So I feel like, you know, they should keep following that lead and, and you know, giving people a lot of rope to, to know as adults, you know, what, what their responsibilities are. I always felt trapped at my job and I would like leave a sweater on my on my chair when I wanted to like, quote, sneak out at 8 p.m. So they would think I was still there. It was about like having butts at desks and not, it wasn't about productivity. And I think Harry cares more about productivity and that's how all CEOs should be. Well, Jill and Harry, thank you very much for spending this time with us. Best of luck, Harry and Cargo. Jill, cannot wait to see your new movie. Thank and, uh, you. And, and thank you. Thank you very much for spending the time with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Homework, part of the AdBeat Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Monica Bernal, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of AdWeek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things AdWeek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at adweekpodcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.